0: y'all welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host Heather McFadden and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you you don't mom alone. In this episode number 248, I have the privilege of chatting with Jada Edwards.
1: There's a fine line between feeling disqualified and just feeling grateful and humble. So I try not to let that send me into a place of immobility where I can't do it, I'm I'm afraid, I'm frozen. I try to let that just be a thing where David says, hey, I keep my sin before me, not because of shame, but because of that reminder that every time God uses me, every time someone's encouraged by something that comes out of my mouth, I say, man, God is good. He can use anybody. Um, Gratitude, humility. So there's a fine line between knowing who you are and what a mess you are and being grateful that God's going to use you and that God does use you and knowing who you are and being stuck in chain. So the disqualification, I mean, Paul says in Corinthians, we, we aren't qualified. Our qualification is in the Lord. So disqualification in of itself is not a lie. That's a reality for us, but there's a caveat. God makes us qualified, And so it would be foolish and unwise and a waste of treasure for us to live in the disqualification when He's already changed that status and said, in me, you're qualified.
0: Jada is a fantastic teacher of God's Word and truth, and she's hilarious. So you need to go to her site and see where she's going to be next so you can get a chance to sit under her teaching. She's also the author of a new Bible study series. She's working alongside two other gals. To release the series, Known by Name. In it, they're answering three questions we asked today that women in the Bible asked. The questions are, how does everyone else see me? How do I see myself? And how does God see me? This Known by Name series is releasing three options right now. There are three different studies, one on Rahab, one on the story of Hagar, and one on the story of Naomi. The subtitle for the study on Rahab is Don't Judge Me, God Says I'm Qualified. And in this conversation, Jada vulnerably shares different areas in her story where she has felt unqualified, where she has believed lies, lived under shame, that she wasn't qualified by God to be a Bible teacher. She wasn't qualified by God to be a mom. And for those of you who are feeling that way, you think God kind of got it wrong when he made you a mom. And you're wondering if there's a mismatch with you and your kids. Jada has some great advice on how we don't mom alone when it comes to that and how we believe that it's God who qualifies us. It's great stuff. She, like I said, is funny. So we're going to laugh. Uh, there's your warning. There's a laugh warning. Um, cross your legs. Namchke. No, <laughs> Okay. Well, let's get to my conversation with Jada. Here we go. Hey Jada, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh man, I've been I've been kind of stalking you and making this happen and finding you places. <laughs> <laughs> finding your assistant, messaging her. But well, I got you. Here we are. It's totally normal. Nothing wrong with a little stalking. <laughs> totally totally normal. Uh, But you're a busy lady lately. Everyone's wanting a little bit of Jada, I'm feeling like. (laughs) It feels that way. It feels that way. Everyone's kind of coming at you, including your little people. Would you introduce everyone to your family so they can get a sense of of what you're balancing here or attempting, right? Right. 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 Attempting. So married 18 years, just made 18
1: um, with the hubs. Dr. Conway Edwards, who is the founder, lead pastor of our church. And now six years of motherhood. So we had a good, solid. <laughs> a good 12 years. Good 12 years before, before kids came along. And so I, I feel like the Lord was like, good, you got your life in. Now, <laughs> here's the kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've got a six-year-old, a son who just turned six in March, and I got a two-year-old who I think is like 20 living in her body or something. Yeah. So yeah. I got a two-year-old girl and a six-year-old boy. So they, they keep me humble. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and no dull moments here at the Edwards household.
0: Well, and we're talking about those 12 years. I know that I hear from a lot of different moms, a lot of different stories. Was that by choice or was there an, or any challenges in starting your family?
1: Uh, mostly by choice. Most okay. of the years were by choice. I would probably say the last three or four, maybe. Um, we I, It really kind of dawned on us because we have been married 12 years, but so we've been married 18. Our church is 10 years old, mm-hmm. which means about seven years into our marriage, we were planning a church. Right. So the first seven years, uh, we weren't thinking about kids anyway. We were young. I mean, we were yeah. fine. We were newlyweds <laughs> and busy and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> then we planted a church. So we, in essence, did That's a baby. Yeah, that's a baby we right a baby. there. Yeah. We yeah. had we had quintuplets. <laughs> that's what it's like, planting a church. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't really until about five years into that, which hit us about the 12-year mark in our marriage, where we were like, oh, we're getting old. We might want a family. And so then we kind of tried. I don't want to say it was that diligent. It wasn't anything medical, any procedures, no nothing. We just were like, okay, let's see if we can get pregnant. And we didn't. And we really didn't even investigate why. We were like, oh, okay, we'll adopt. And so uh, we had talked about adoption before, earlier Mm -hmm. in our marriage. And so it just kind of happened that way. And we didn't have the desire necessarily to go through the energy and the process of all it would take to even investigate there because we knew we were healthy mm-hmm. and so we're like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's about and so and we adopted and the process was crazy. The process that should have taken two years took like ten months and wow, it was just crazy. That's fast. So
0: that's yeah, fast.
1: it was crazy. It was like pregnancy. <laughs>
0: was 10, that's as long, like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We had our ten months of anxiety and <laughs> uh, different kinds of anxiety. Adoptive and foster parents know what I'm talking about. Yes. You're kind
0: of waiting on a lot of other pieces you
1: can't control. Oh my God. Your emotions
0: are nuts. And so, uh,
1: but yeah, and we were just totally, absolutely blessed. And then three and a half ish, almost four years later, adopted our second one. and, And we have closed
0: the door. Family's done. Family is done. Now, when you adopted, did that mean adopting in their birth moms or are you still in contact with them?
1: I have some very kind of distant through our agency contact, but we were open to it. So both birth well, my son's birth mom was like, No, I love you. Tell my son I love him, whole emotional process for us. Mm. But she was just, I need to cut, I need to cut ties. But I know she gets updates. So I know she's kind of keeping up with him. And so my daughter's birth mom actually wanted to have contact, I think initially. But now in two years, it hasn't happened, but Mm. we still send updates and I find out when they've read them. And so, Mm. you know, as time passes, we'll try to see what opportunities lie there. Um, But yeah, we've just, I've learned, I have a lot of friends who are birth mothers. And so I've just kind of learned they got to go through that process and on their own. And, you know, the adoptive parent, the birth parent, everybody's going through different processes. And so
0: when the Lord works it out. So much, so much going on there. I mean, that right. that, by saying yes to adoption, you're opening yourself up to a whole, a whole level of ministry that I think amazing. Uh, have you heard of the group here in Dallas, Brave Love? Have you heard of them? Mm-hmm. They give a lot of honor and support to the birth mom, just acknowledging the significance of it. is It's no small thing. It's no small thing. Okay, so I didn't know that was going to be all part of our chat, but I'm thankful that you shared it because (laughs) you just helped another mom feel less alone in her story. So you have these two kids that you've brought into your family through adoption. You planted a church. And I've heard you, I'm going to say it, preach. Okay, okay, I know it's teaching, but (laughs) I think you preach. Um so when did that desire or when did you become aware that you had the gifts to, you know, bring it. I mean, to teach God's word is what I mean. Yeah, how did you know? When did yeah. you discover it?
1: <laughs> um I think I have from a young age I remember always being kind of the advice giver, counselor Mm. to my friends. And it wasn't because I was always doing right. Um, I really just think one of my spiritual gifts is wisdom. And so I just always had stuff to say. I always remember being able to hear a scripture and apply it and know what it means and it come back to my mind and tell my friends to the point that I annoyed them. This is really You know what the <laughs> scripture is saying, you know, <laughs> and don't bring this back up, by the way, friend, when I'm doing wrong, but I'm just saying, right, right, so you right, know right. That, I'll just
0: point it yeah. out in you, but I'm good over here. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. right. So I always knew it. And then I got into my twenties. I was uh, late teens, early twenties, teaching youth ministry at our church. And I was teaching a senior high class. And over over time, this class started to grow and grow and grow. We started realizing the sophomores and the freshmen were sneaking into this class. And so we just had a great time. I was teaching and loving it. And then so it was just going hard in youth ministry, getting to teach. And then got married to a preacher. And <laughs> um, that, was, that was not the plan. But, uh, you know, we then started going with him to go teach. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I remember watching him going, that's kind of cool. But honestly, it never crossed my mind what it would look like because I just hadn't seen women do it. in a way that resonated with me. I knew I was not a tea hoster and (laughs) I wasn't, and I wasn't a back rubber. And I do not want to hear your story for a long time. And I was like, I think I'm just not godly because I can't (laughs) do what what these women are doing. So I'm just going to sit here and get my back rubbed and drink my tea and just just keep my stuff to myself. I can talk to kids because I can say it however I want to say it to them. Uh, And then really, I had a friend of mine coming to me out of the blue. She was like, not even a dreamer, prophesier type friend, just a regular girl in my conservative church. And she's like, I know this is going to sound weird, but uh, I feel like the Lord has given me a scripture for you. And I was like, a what? For me? And so she was like, yeah, you, you need to go read First Timothy. And I was like, what? And she's like, you need to read First uh, Timothy 4. She said, the Lord told me to tell you that you need to preach the word in season, out of season. I was like, what? Wait, 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 wait. Mm. And so I, I remember that going, what? Preach. You don't say that word. I mean, Second Timothy 4. And um, so that kind of stuck in my mind for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, really, once I left Youth Mission, got married, I started, I had, to, I remember the first person said, hey, my so-and-so's friend's church is having a thing. Can you come teach at it? And I was like, what do you mean, come teach at it? She's like, yeah, it's like a women's event. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I remember just that first time I had to be 24, 25. And I remember feeling like, this is kind of cool. And so, um, yeah, it just kind of built very slowly from there, but not a whole lot, because in the early years I was mostly supporting Conway and we were going out and doing ministry. Then when we started uh, overseeing the singles ministry at our former church, he and I shared the teaching duties when we Mm -hmm. didn't when we didn't have a guest. And so that was probably the first time I was really in front of a regular audience, uh, especially a mixed audience, where I was starting to see affirmation of what I thought God had called me to do. And so, um, yeah. And, and again, it went in seasons. I, I, we did that a lot for three or four years and then it dropped off because we planted a church, you know, and then two years later we started Bible study in our church and I was teaching again. And so it's just, it's just kind of always been there kind of a thing that, okay, God, whenever you're ready for me to do it. And now in this season, 10 years into planting a church, what God is just doing different things with the teaching and the ministry. And so, um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. There were many times where I was like, this is not going to work. Nobody yeah. that looks like me as a female, yeah. as a black female, like
0: nobody's doing this. Yeah. And so I don't know what you're talking about God. <laughs> so yeah. You're kind of breaking the mold. You're, you're kind of, I think you're, for, for every bold step you take, you're inspiring a thousand other people to take that bold step. Yeah.
1: I hope so, because I know I remember the first time I heard Beth Moore
0: teach. Yes, we all got that in our head, don't we? Don't we all have yes, Beth Moore in our head? Because yes.
1: I was like, oh, my gosh, this woman has some fire. Mm-hmm. She is expositing the word. Yes. OK, we are teaching more than Proverbs 31. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, if I hear probably one, one, one Or the know, Samaritan woman at the well, those two. Is the only two passages for women? You know, I know I'm fearfully one to the mate. Okay, is there another conference thing? <laughs> and so I was just like, I don't know what else to talk talking about. So when I just got to sit under her, I'll never forget the first time going, is this possible? Yes. Um, and even still then, I, I didn't start doing a whole lot of itinerant stuff. It just kind of got me excited for what could be. And then I started doing it with my friends, Bible study in my house, retreats for my friends. And then we started a church and, you know, and then the Bible study at our church really became kind of the thing that the Lord allowed me to nurture and grow and, you know, be in front of a consistent group where I could just pour into them, but still sharpen my craft as well as for communicating and teaching and things like that. So.
0: Yeah, it's kind of been an interesting journey. (laughs) Well, and that's I always want to highlight to people who are listening to the gals who are listening who see you writing these studies, speaking at these conferences, given bigger stages to speak from, teach from, and not knowing all the steps leading up to it and all the small places of obedience and all of the trusting God in the boundaries he's set for you. Kindly, right? Don't you feel like he's Uh so kind to not put us up in front of American Airlines Center right off the bat? You know, obscurity
1: Mm -hmm. and wilderness are some of the greatest blessings that you'll ever see. Tell me more about that.
0: Obscurity and wilderness.
1: Because people will come and say, I mean, I think I'm called to teach or I want to do this. And I usually say to them, Okay, who are you teaching now? What are you doing right now? Because the calling has nothing to do with the platform. Right. If you're the passion has nothing to do with the platform, if God's called you to do it, do it now. I said, when I was not even all the way living for Jesus, I loved Jesus, but I still had my crazy moments in college. <laughs> I was still hosting Bible study, <laughs> probably yeah. had no business hosting Bible study, but I just couldn't not do it. And so, you know, every now and then I'll go through old pictures while I was in my little apartment and my little friends and their folding chairs. And, and I'm sitting around with, with my Bible open, like I really know what I'm talking about. And so, I remember doing a women's retreat for my friends, just my friends, found the mm-hmm. location, set up an agenda for the weekend. So this was before I was married. And so I tell people, if it's the thing that God's burdened you with, then you're doing it. I don't care if it's for three people, five people. You've got to be doing it. And you want to do it in obscurity because you want to prepare uh, what you want to say on God's behalf. Sharpen those gifts. Get the crazy out of your system. Um, It never goes all the way away, but get a lot of the junk that we have to work through out of your system. So you're not doing that in front of a thousand people. And so that when God gives you an opportunity, you got something to say that's not going to embarrass him, like something to say, because you can't start studying when you get an opportunity. You have Mm -hmm. to already have things built up. You know, like I remember just studying when I had, I mean, no audience, nobody to teach to. I had a series (laughs) for nobody but myself. And it was a blessing because I had like this seven part in-depth series about the character of a woman and all this stuff. (laughs) And when we started our church, we were kind of in a hustle. Everything was, uh, you know, Everything's a thousand moving. Hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything's a thousand miles So then my husband's like, hey, we need to start Bible studies. We started them every other Wednesday, which we still do now. Ten years later, women is first and third Wednesday. We did it only because we didn't have a building. So we needed a childcare solution. We couldn't have the men and women out on the same night. So we were like, we will do women on this Wednesday and men on the next. Somebody's always home with the kids. So it just stayed and it's created great men's and women's ministries for us over the years. Um, but... I remember when he said, "Hey, it's gonna start next week." I was like, "What? Wait, wait, what? I have to, what?" And we were in an apartment with twenty women sitting around there, and I'm like, "Okay." And what I had was seven messages that really were so detailed in length that ended up being fourteen messages to each, that got me through the first several months of Bible study. And I wasn't happy; I was refreshing, not studying from scratch, right. which I could not have done. In the midst of all of our church planning duties, and those messages were at least two years old, and they'd never been taught before. I don't know who the audience was, you know. I don't know why I was even made them, but it was just the Lord saying you need to study this, think through this. I remember being on a business trip because I had worked for a technology company out of high school, and I remember in my hotel room on this business trip, I'm studying, and the Lord says, "Go look in the mirror, and I want you to look at yourself while you're saying this." The how and then don't just say it but how would you explain this to somebody and i was like why wow, wow. i'm standing in the mirror <laughs> in my hotel room on my business trip and it was just random things like that where you need those hotel room mirror moments mm. because god is honing you and preparing you for when he does bring opportunity and the opportunity for you to speak to 20 of his daughters is as precious as it is to speak to 20,000 he he does not create value in quantity. So mm-hmm. it's just that preparation. And so, yeah, I tell people all the time, if this is the thing God's called you to do, you know, fashion, design, being an entrepreneur or whatever, what are you doing right now? Because you, sh- you have to be doing it now, even on a smaller scale, because that's how you know that it's something that you just, you have to get done. So anyway,
0: that's good. That was kind of how it was for me. So you are, have now been assigned the role of writing this study that Zondervan's put out. It's an amazing series of studies. They go by known by name. Right now, there are three on three women of the Bible, Rahab, Hagar, and Naomi. And you did it, I love, in a community of women, a counselor, Casey Van Norman, you, the Bible teacher, and Nicole Johnson, the drama dramatist. How do you say mm-hmm. that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Dramatist, yeah. So was there anything, you know, the message of it is, especially the Rahab one, not believing the lie that something in your past disqualifies you from God using you now or in the future. So as these women are maybe, maybe seeing these gifts or feeling this calling or assignment, and they're maybe feeling the nudge to do something, whether it's whatever small step God's prompting them to, but then this lie creeps in about something from their past or um, position, just had a Mom on the show, single mom, and maybe she's believing a lie about her ability to teach because how would God use a single mom? You know, different things Mm -hmm. that we would think, what? That's ridiculous. Why would you believe that? But the enemy's so crafty to take Mm. any wound that wasn't even self-inflicted or pain and say, well, you're out of the game. You can't be used by God. So was there anything personally for you that, that you had to overcome a lie of disqualification?
1: I think mine was just because I well, number one, I think my personality, my I think I was am hey, still brash and harsh and um, not necessarily appealing <laughs> to a lot of people. Stop. And I think I really uh, I think I thought about just my I call my college years, my dark years. And I I really feel like I was uh, finding God. I was already a Christian, but this is the struggle if you're a church girl, especially. Mm. You can just get assimilated into a culture of Christianity and it not be something that has actually penetrated your heart. Mm. And so it wasn't until college where I was bold enough to ask God the question, are you still there? Are you even there? Because now I was getting exposed to all these other religions and different ways of thinking. And people were saying, how do you know your way is right? And I was like, because I went to Tony Evans church and everything <laughs> he said, like, are you kidding me? Because <laughs> I, like, I you know, kidding? okay. He's a genius. If he yeah. said it, then it's right. Yeah, <laughs> so right, right, right. I was like, cause, and my mama said, my daddy said. And so it was a hard two and a half, three years during college where I was trying to just figure out what I believed about God. Mm. And I I would love to say that that exploration was primarily intellectual, but it was not. It was also experiential. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did things, tried things, pushed boundaries where I was like, okay, God, you're gonna forgive me for that. Okay, you still up there? Am I still a Christian? It was just all these Mm -hmm. things that I knew the right answer to academically. But I just was like, "I, I gotta reconcile this. And so I had to go through a path Um, Where I really doubted a lot of things before uh, God really in his faithfulness waited me out and brought me back full circle, which is a side encouragement to any mamas out there with kids who are in college or in some season. And you're like, I thought you knew Jesus. (laughs) Just trust. Just trust the process, because I would take those two or three years of exploration and coming out with my own unshakable faith. Like nobody can tell me different now. Than never having had that and always wondering in the back of my mind, is this really true? I only do this because my mom said or the church I grew up in. So it was necessary uh, for me. So anyway, because of that, I think about that a lot. And I go, somebody, there's got to be somebody that I knew in college (laughs) that's going (laughs) to listen to me teach one day and be like, Oh, really?
0: That Jada? <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. And so, and our church, you know, our church is local to where I grew up and I, I didn't go to college far from home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's people that come to our church sometimes from college. And sometimes I don't remember, you know, because college is just so many friends in and out. <laughs> so They'll go, yeah, we went to school together. And I look at them and go, Okay. Um, <laughs> what comes to mind uh, when you think about our time together? in school? <laughs> no, you were great. You always, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, and that yeah. may not have even been true, but the Holy Spirit has just blinded your memories. So I'm like whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just grateful for the spiritual blinding. <laughs> I am telling you, because I so that has always been a fear of mine. You know, yeah. um, there I had so many friends who. I grew up in church with, and they stayed true church people, you know, and they just were good people. What was my perception anyway? They were just good people. So I always struggled and I still struggle that every time I, you know, my platform changes or there's a new Instagram follower, I'm like, Oh Lord, (laughs) this thing could be bad. You know, I always (laughs) just feel like I'm going to do something or say something because, you know, I just got a fiery mouth and I can be a little argumentative and Attitude. I mean, just stuff that right. is not. I feel like, yeah, one day it's just going to all break loose and people are going to go, oh, Lord. So I think that is a thing that I'm constantly thinking of. But I will say this, the disqualification is there's a fine line between feeling disqualified and just feeling grateful and humble. So I try not to let that send me into a place of immobility where I can't do it. I'm, I'm afraid or frozen. I try to let that just be a thing where David says, Hey, I keep my sin before me, not because of shame, but because of that reminder that every time God uses me, every time someone's encouraged by something that comes out of my mouth, I say, man, God is good. He can use anybody, um, gratitude, humility. So there's a fine line between knowing who you are and what a mess you are and being grateful that God's going to use you and that God does use you and knowing who you are and being stuck in chain. So the disqualification, I mean, Paul says in Corinthians, we, we aren't qualified. Our qualification is in the Lord. Right. So disqualification in of itself is not a lie. That's a reality for us. But there's a caveat. God makes us qualified. And so it would be foolish and unwise and a waste of treasure for us to live in the disqualification when he's already changed that status and said, in me, you're qualified. So I think it's a constant conversation that I don't think how, however successful you ever become in business or whatever it might be ministry, you never get to a point where you're like, no, I'm good. I actually deserve to be here.
0: Mm, that's and right. if you get to that point, you should be afraid. <laughs> because- we were just, we were just reading about the, the two men who go to the temple to pray and the Pharisees like, I'm so amazing. I keep the law. Thank goodness I'm not like that guy over there, the tax collector, like the pride in his doing it all good. And then the tax collector simply says, Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. There's this recognition. Yes, I was disqualified, the sinner part, but also the awareness that there's a God out there who gives us boundless mercy and forgiveness. And he is the final word. And even though that Pharisee was judging the tax collector's eyes were fixed on God, who ultimately gets to say who he is and what his value is, which is what I think a lot of this message um, in these studies is helping women Mm -hmm. do, is recognize Mm -hmm. like, how do other people see me? How do I see myself? But ultimately, how does God see me?
1: Absolutely. Nope. I agree. And it is a total shift in perspective. And I would encourage anyone listening that to not be discouraged when that shift in perspective does not happen overnight. Mm. Um, it's a path toward a new perspective. You can know things that are true, just like the moment you get saved or the moment you get healed or delivered or whatever, your life generally is not drastically different the next day. It, now you just have the ability to think differently and make new choices and all that. And so, yeah, it's a, it is a perspective change, but it's a path That perspective. Every day in my mind, I'm saying, okay, God, yes. All right. You can be glorified through me. Okay, yes, this is how you see me. Okay. And I hear the other voices, and I'm like, nope, nope, that's not true. And I have to have that internal dialogue, you know, every single time. And it just, I don't think it goes away. I think that tension, that wrestle that Paul experienced, like in Romans 7, the thing that I that I don't want to do is what I'm doing. (laughs) The thing I want to do is what I'm not doing it leads to gratitude. And like Roman at the end of that whole internal dialogue he's having with himself in Romans 7, Romans 8, 1 says, but there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So he's like, I got all this crazy going on on the inside, but man, I'm not condemned because, you know, life in Christ Jesus is, is freedom. There's There's the law of the spirit is a different law than the law of the flesh. And so the internal conflict is fine. It's just You want that to be moving you down a path toward how God sees you and not a place where you get stuck in the internal conversation so much so that you can't live in the calling that God has for you.
0: Yes. See, y'all just got a little sermon right there because it was good. (laughs) And I want to take it and I want to apply it not just to uh, vocational ministry, preaching, teaching, but uh, the ministry within our homes. Because I don't know about you, but I, I meet a lot of moms who don't feel like they're qualified to be doing this role of motherhood and they're believing a lot of lies. And from what you just shared about how you weren't the the back tickler and the soft spoken, what lies did you believe about yourself when it came to motherhood and raising these two little, little people?
1: Well, so my mom is a fantastic mom. She is the giver. She's the the bandaid putter on her. The yeah. she's a she's a nurse first of all by vocation. So she's just all about the nurturing and the caring.
0: She might be the enneagram two kind of person. The oh carer. my gosh! Yeah. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Yeah. she's yeah. just like, what do you need me to do? Do you need
1: me to walk to New York barefoot to get <laughs> yes I'm coming? She's just so giving. I mean, she had to be at work at like three or four in the morning, wow. and while we were asleep, she would come in and brush our hair no. and lay our lunch money out. I mean, what? In the world, so I was like,
0: <laughs> and I "Was appreciate- she a single mom? No,
1: no. no my dad just- was. She just did it. No, and my dad was actually very domestic, so he probably would have brushed her hair. He was the breakfast, because he was the cook, and my my dad was very domestic, so he probably would have done it. But she just enjoyed she it. Just she just wanted like, to do the it. note
0: on the mirror.
1: Oh, oh my man. goodness. Okay, so Uh-oh. this
0: is the standard you're trying to live up to, right there.
1: What in the world? <laughs> and she's so patient. She's so patient. I can count the towels on her hand that on my hand, that she yelled at us. And we were worthy of being yelled at all the time because we were nutty. So I always appreciated that. Well, I'm gonna say always, probably in my twenties, you don't really appreciate your mother until you're older. <laughs> and I appreciated it really as a young woman. And I started realizing me my mom is faithful and reliable. But then when I had kids, the appreciation went to like this intimidating, oh Lord, I'm not like her. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am not like her. I mean, she used to thank my dad for dinner every night. James, dinner is so great. It's so good. And we were like, I mean, it's okay. It's good, but <laughs> we have to have this conversation. Oh, she was just so encouraging and mm-hmm. grateful and all that. And so I think I went in with more, I'm more like my father. I'm a bit of a disciplinarian and straight talk and all right, we just, you're okay. Are you bleeding? Is it broken? Shake it off. Let's go. Let's keep moving. And so I struggled with how my kids would feel nurtured really mm-hmm. and um how I would be able to really communicate love and affection because I'm not a super back rubbing touchy feeling but I think a couple things happened one the lord showed me through my kids how my kids need who I am first yeah. of all yeah so he's like hey i've given you kids my son is like my mother, my adopted son. He is just like my mother. We we now he's my temperament for his outgoing and life of the party, but he is empathetic and encouraging and compassionate and he can't get too many hugs. Huggy, like, good night, 12 good night kisses, 12, <laughs> 12 stories, 12 hugs. So he is my mom. And so I get to bring balance to him with okay let's get some things done okay let's be disciplined let's be focused and on top of that I've I've been surprised at myself how even moments where I didn't think I had it in me to just slow down and be compassionate and love him and nurture him the lord has just been gracious in that he has been so gracious in that and I think I day by day, I find my footing a little bit saying, okay, these are the kids God has given me to shape. And I know there's going to be deficits. I know there's going to be gaps, but I'm going to trust the Lord for the gaps. And I'm going to do what I can with who I am. I'm not going to try to be anybody else. I'm going to be a failure at trying to be like my mother. It's going to mm-hmm. go badly. Mm-hmm. I can be the best mom that I can be. And then where I'm lacking I can be honest about that because sometimes my son will say, mom, that hurt my feelings. (laughs) And I go, you know what, bud, I can understand how that did. Come give me a hug. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and and I have to just be honest with that and understand that, hey, mama, mama doesn't do well with these kind of things. But on these other things, I got you, you know? So it's just a, I think it's just finding my footing and understanding that God, number one, I need to be who, who God's made me to be I'm a bit, bad imitation of somebody else's version of motherhood and number two that God gave me kids that need me as a mom and so that I found just a lot of assurance in that and just I'm like you know I gotta just do what I can and and when I become aware of shortcomings I mean I try to get better and pray about it but'm I'm, I'm really more concerned about am I communicating honestly you know with my kids about where I fall short and and still trying to um, teach them, and put them around other people. Yeah, you know, I got friends and aunts and uncles who do those things well, because it's yeah. really a village anyway. So I don't I don't want my kid to only be raised by me and my husband. So there's things that we don't do well. And so we've got aunts and uncles and friends and grandparents and all these people that I know God is going to use to create the, my child, my kids the way they need to, you know, and train them in the way they need to be trained up. So
0: it's good. There are several moms listening who can identify I mean, a lot of moms that can identify with how you're describing yourself and that gifting. Really, it is a gifting. I was raised by a mom who is more like you are, wired more like you are. And so there's a gift and a strong woman who's leading the home and who's fiercely loyal and protective. And I'm sure those kids have no doubt that you have their back.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, there'll be other times where I'm like, hey, somebody's messing with my kids. (laughs) Yes, like that, that goes along with that
0: personality. Like you are are fiercely loyal, yes. Don't come to the school, do not come Yeah, do not come to the school, (laughs) that is exactly right. I'll be like, who was it? Who (laughs) said it? (laughs) Yep, that fits, that all fits together, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But you're also modeling for them a walking and your gifting. I think that 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 kind of bent – also, models for kids that God has gifted you in teaching and in ministering and, and in communicating His Word, and that you are following that, um, and that they aren't the center of your universe. I think there's a special future for your kids, and the fact that you're laying that foundation as an option for them. So that's ah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so. We just have to trust that God knows all the things. Right, like he He does. He, I mean, you have to, and you know, even my mom tells me. uh, I've
1: had a couple of my good friends, their moms, be pretty significant in my life, and my mom has told me over the years. And one of them, one of my dear friends, her mother was kind of a no nonsense, spoken to my life, Jada, get your life together, hush your mouth, Mm -hmm. you talk too much, you being whatever you been. And my mom told me over the years, I was grateful for this person's mother because she has, she's different than me. And I know she has been able to challenge you on some things that I couldn't. So even mm-hmm. my mother, who I think is amazing, she's the gold standard. Even she knows that, Hey, I, that's just who I am. There's this yeah. whole other side because of how mm-hmm. you're wired that I couldn't mm-hmm. really speak to. And you needed a person that was a little stronger will. And so even yeah. in my growing up, I see how God kind of augments our parenting you know he brings us these great communities and villages and so I do the same thing because I you know my son has uh, my godson's mother is oh my gosh she's just sweet 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 and so they when they spend time together he gets all the rubs and all the (laughs) you know know, she just lets them do oh well we're in the bath like it's a pool and we are just I'm like (laughs) great (laughs) y'all I'll be in the bag, like cool. you know, and I made strawberries in the shape of their initials. And you're just like, <laughs> "So glad!" I'm so glad you did that because he's never experienced that. So, <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> so listen, oh, take your village, your friends your village, and family, yes. because they will, you know, they just bring a roundedness to our kids experience. And the truth is our kids do not expect us to be everything, all things. Only mm-hmm. if we teach them to expect that from us. Mm. If we teach them that it's okay to go to friend and auntie and so-and-so for things like that, um, then they'll they'll know that mom is still mom, but hey, auntie Tammy and auntie Becky are the people that I kind of cry on their shoulders sometimes.
0: And it's just okay. It's yeah. just okay. That's good. I mean, growing up, my parents were uh, adult believers, and so their family of origins were not believers. And so I did have, you know, Aunt Susie, Uncle Bill that were believers from the church that I could go to, but- I don't know that. I think that's more rare. I love learning from different people. And I have found for my boys, they need, they need my friend who's super positive and encouraging and words of affirmation where I'm like, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. And I'm a terrible mom and negative, negative, negative. So I need, I need those people in my life. I'm always encouraging people who listen to find those people in their life. And I love your examples because I know there are also moms out there raising the strong girl and they don't know what to do. And they're like, they need girl. to find their strong mom friends who can speak life. Yes, them. yeah,
1: they do, and sometimes the older women too.
0: Yes, They're, the aunties and things like that—they don't have to be your age. Mm-hmm.
1: I received well, even as a young girl, from women who were kind of between the age of my mom and grandmother. They're somewhere more thirty-ish, forty years older than me than the ish, You know, than my mom, yes. because okay. they were like. By the time you get into your 60s, you're like, girl, whatever. I'm not fair to <laughs> So those women I just received well from. And even to this day, a lot of women that can just speak directly into me are older than my mom even. You know, they're just like, girl, look. So, yeah, it doesn't even have to be somebody that's your age. It could be anybody that you think could have a good influence on your on your kid in some area that maybe you're not strong in.
0: In an area that actually you are legitimately disqualified in, like we were talking about, like just be honest, like <laughs> you are not qualified not gonna, in that, so that's okay. In the shape of You're natural. not going to be doing that. Okay, with these studies, with the known by name studies, was there one that that you liked best? Do you can you pick a favorite?
1: <laughs> we so I'll tell you, I was very judgy about um, Naomi and Hagar because I was mm-hmm. like, I'm a Rahab girl. Listen, I already know me and Rahab are yeah. messed together, but Jesus has redeemed us, and so. I went in super excited about that, and then as I started getting into these women's stories, I was like, "Man, I kind of see myself in a little bit of all the, a little bit of myself in all these women," and so I really I can't even say I have a favorite. I think I had a predisposition, uh, you know, toward a disposition toward Rahab in the beginning, but um, at the end, I kind of loved them all. I loved how Naomi was able to kind of change her identity and, and understand that the way God saw her never changed. She gave herself her own names, you know, she was bitter. She called herself Mara in the beginning and at the end she had she was blessed. She was like I'm blessed. Look at me. And so it's it was fascinating how even though God's identity for us doesn't change, he allows us to go through our own evolutions of different identities and he's like I'm going to let you figure it out, but I know who you are. So it was cool watching God's constant hand of providence in her story. Um Hagar was great too because I love that Hagar wasn't even believer. She wasn't even of the children of Israel. She wasn't God's chosen people, but he still uh, ministered to her and met her. And actually, it's the first time we see in the Bible, Jehovah Roy, that God sees. And it was Hagar. Hagar Mm -hmm. is the first person we see that Jehovah sees. And so just how intimate to be, you know, not a church girl, not the right religion, the servant with the outcast kid. You were manipulated into this situation. And in the midst of your loneliness, like, okay, Forget it. It's all over. God is like, I'm there. Jehovah is there. I see you. And so I just, I think I fell in love with parts of all of them because, you know, God gives us all these women in the Bible because we need all of them. <laughs> we need all of their stories um, at some season in life. So yeah, I love them all.
0: Well, I think y'all put together, with the help of Zondervan, an amazing resource. Y'all check it out. There are four sessions for each book with videos that are you could totally i mean grab it for the summer perfect to do with a group just got an email from someone saying hey do you know of any studies that focus on women in the bible so i could hand her this it was perfect i know hand it over hand it over it's good to have resources i can share with people so thank you jada for being on the show and encouraging us all and sharing a bit of your story um i will put links to all the places they can find you but if you want to say we're online They can connect with you. Is it your site, the best place?
1: Yeah. You can connect with me at jadaedwards.com. And that's more general kind of updates. Uh, We'll try to keep that updated if you want to reach out or contact or booking and things like that. But if you just want to laugh at my crazy kids, uh, (laughs) then you can follow me on Instagram. uh, Guaranteed Entertainment there. Uh, Instagram is jada underscore Edwards. And Twitter, I'm there too, jada Edward 1721. And so I'm all over the place. I do love social media. And so, um, yeah, I can find me in all those places.
0: Well, we appreciate you and you following God's leading and all the things. And, and I just um, I'm excited to see where God's taking you next, because I know you're you're you are in demand. You are in demand. Yeah. God's <laughs> God is expanding your boundaries. So excited for you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You see what I'm saying? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did chatting with her. And I would definitely go look at these studies. Uh, There are videos that go along with it, which is always a little bit easier if you're leading a group of women and they're short. They're like four sessions each study. So that's also helpful. I want to pray for us because perhaps you are recognizing a mismatch between who you're believing you are. And who God says you are through Christ. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I thank you for the one who is listening. I thank you that she's taking time to learn more about you, about your word, about who you say she is. I thank you that you sent your son so that we could be seen by you as right and beloved. And I thank you that you loved us before we even knew who you were before we even had a concept of God, you loved us. I pray, Lord, for the one who is listening, that she feels seen and known by you, God. I pray for any area that she keeps hearing a repeated lie of unqualified, failure, not enough, or too much, that she's too much to be the kind of mom she sees in her head. She's too much to be the kind of wife She's too much to be the kind of friend that she would be, leave the truth that she is never too much for you. I also pray that you will surround her with other moms, aunties, friends who can, can fill in the cracks. We cannot be everything to everyone. And Lord, I thank you that that's where community comes in. I pray, Lord, if there's a child who is challenging her, that you would Open her eyes to see a person that you've placed in her life who can be a voice in that child's life, uh, what that child needs. Help her to put pride aside and ask for that help. I pray that for my own life, Lord. I pray that I would recognize the gifts of the people that you've given me. I thank you, God, for this time. I pray that you give us that extra boost of energy to push through the end of the year, the school year, and to look forward to all that you have for us in the upcoming months. In Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Couple of announcements. One uh, next week, I will have an episode on summer strategies. I know it's coming out on Memorial Day and you're like, Heather, it's already summer for us. You're too late. Well, these tips are going to be worth it. Even if you're just starting summer, when you hear what Laura and Courtney share, I mean, I was so inspired. Got some great strategies I'm already brewing about for our summer, the boys, <laughs> oh, they're going to love it. Uh, second announcement, I shared about it last week, maybe the week before, I want to connect with you better and more reliably. The way that I'm doing that is I'm inviting you to join me, go over to Ola Heather, Ola starts with an H like Heather, H-O-L-A Heather dot com, you go there and you put in your email address and then every Monday you'll get a little update from me with the latest episode, what's shaken and the Mac house, some of my favorite things, and you'll get links to the show notes. So that way we can stay connected and you won't miss anything. Third announcement, it kind of goes with like not missing anything. We are in the works, uh, working on the Don't Mom Alone live. We've been working on it. We want to make it amazing. Uh, So I'm thinking I'm going to (laughs) take and do like a couple on the road this fall. Stay tuned for that. This is why you need to go over to Ola Heather so you don't miss any announcements on that. And then early 2020, we're hoping to have a live event here in Dallas. So I'm going to do more than one this year. That's exciting. Uh, Fourth announcement, Summer of Mentorship y'all have been around the podcast long enough, you know, in the summer, because I have my children home, because I want to hang out with them, I take a little break in doing new interviews because it's hard to coordinate your schedule with interviews with kids. It's just, it's tricky. So we take a little break. And the way I do that is I package six episodes, taking previous episodes that y'all have loved from mentors that you love and release a new one each week. And we also offer discussion questions. So if you want to invite some friends to do the summer of mentorship with you, you say, hey, let's hang out. You could do it weekly if you want. You don't have to. You could just pick or choose a couple of them and listen to the episode on your own and then discuss it. It's our Don't Mom Alone podcast club. It's like a book club, but with podcasts. So if you want to sign up for that, go to my podcast page, scroll down to the bottom. I think that's where it is right now. Or you can just Google DMA Podcast Club and see what you come up with. If you sign up there, you will get the discussion questions in your inbox uh, and get connected with our Facebook group uh, with all the other leaders. Okay. I think that's all the announcements. Have a fantastic end to the school year. All the teacher gifts. I want to kiss the person's face who invented Venmo. I mean, let me count the ways that I love you, Venmo. Anyway, have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors— God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.